Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello, and welcome to the Town Alone Podcast, the only podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam Hess, and with me, as always, Michael Lorne Michaels-Regan. Michael Lorne Michaels-Regan, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm currently posted up outside of Circuit City, waiting for these Black Friday deals. Only one in line. Fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little empty in there, Adam. Gotta be honest with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm holding out to get those sweet deals on a Walkman. It's our uh, in the field report from Mikey R with <laughs> Tech. Walkmans were a fraud. What does that mean? Like they were called Walkmans, but did you ever like if it was one of the ones that played CDs, you could not walk with it, or it would skip every step you take. Kind of wishing I called you Mike Jerry Seinfeld Regan now. What's the deal <laughs> with Walkmans? They're called Walkmans, but you can't even walk with them. All right, Mike. Well, it is Thanksgiving Day. It is. So, want to give a hearty Thanksgiving hello to all those out there? There's no real good Thanksgiving phrase, right? You just do Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Like, Merry hey, Christmas feels unique, you know? Feels unique? Yeah. Like, is, what Mary? other holiday do you say Merry for? Ramadan? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, so, uh, the Knicks Twitter posted one of those gimmicks where... As the boys are coming off the court from practice, they like have a question they all answer. Mm-hmm. And it was favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Josh Hart was the most correct when he said collard greens. And then Dominic DiVincenzo was most sociopathic where he said, I don't eat Thanksgiving Day meals. <laughs> and Miles McBride was the funniest because he said, the yams, the yams, <laughs> as he walked off, which popped me. What's your favorite Thanksgiving Day side dish? Let's get personal. I don't eat Thanksgiving meals. Liar. No, that's true. You're such a liar. I don't fuck with Thanksgiving. That's so that's, not true. You've li- I was really I, hoping you were going to follow this up. I don't fuck with Thanksgiving, yeah. No, I've heard you talk about how much you like Thanksgiving. No, you have not. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm in. No, maybe I'm misremembering. You definitely misremember it. Is it like a moral stand? No, it's not a moral stand. It's just a dumb no. holiday. I just want to watch football. Fucking Hallmark holiday. All the all the food on Thanksgiving is terrible. Seriously, you want to know why you don't just eat straight up turkey the rest of the year? Because it's not good. A turkey's the lamest part. Okay, are you spending the rest of the year eating fucking cranberry sauce? Well, that's, I just show up for all the fixins. <laughs> when when the rest of the year do you eat stuffing? <laughs> no stuffing, just like the turkey. Like the main dish is not what I'm here for. So here what? For. You're you're just showing up to eat fucking pumpkin pie? No, is I'm that what for... you think Thanksgiving is? You think Thanksgiving I'm... is just about fucking pumpkin pie, Mike? No, I'm here for the mashed potatoes. I'm here for the yams. I'm here for the greens. I'm here for the mac and cheese. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Also, coming from an Italian family, fucking three-course situation. First, we open up with the uh, Italian wedding soup, you know, which is the soup with, like, the escarole and the little meatballs. Why would I possibly know what Italian wedding soup is? Yeah. Anyway, we do that. Then that's like the first course. Then we do lasagna. Then we get into like our full, actual full Thanksgiving Day meal. <laughs> yeah, back when when I was living at home with uh with my parents before they got divorced, they used to we used to have like a dried out turkey because my parents can't cook, <laughs> hand cranberry sauce, 
made from like the the box of it mashed potatoes and gravy and i think that was really it i can kind of see why you're not a fan of thanksgiving <laughs> all right you're right maybe we should talk about sports <laughs> all right so mike i figure we'll open up here being this thanksgiving day talking about the thanksgiving slate of football probably the best we've ever had right the shortest line is seven points they crushed it NFL <laughs> scheduling committee just crushed it. As always, we have our, our Detroit game and our Dallas game. Starting off bright and early, 11 o'clock here, we get Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Matt LaFleur. I think I'm, I'm out of – I'm out, definitely out of Green Bay people to talk about. I don't know. Aiden Hutchinson, Monroe St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs. Jamo, Jameson Williams. <laughs> What's with you and him? So I, I mentioned that play on uh, the Monday pod, and I – when, I finally went to all 22 was uploaded, went and looked at it. Yeah, it wasn't like they really called poor coverage. It was just some of the most piss poor attempt at coverage I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they had too high. He just like saunters right between the middle of them. Like both the defenders just say flat footed, like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't pretty. Uh, yeah, this is quite the slate of games. I think Buffalo, like all week I've been thinking, oh. Thanksgiving, Bills are playing because I think like it's like three of the last four we've played on Thanksgiving. So in my brain, I just keep thinking we're playing the Eagles. That would have been a good game to put here. They're probably regretting it, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what game preseason do you think looked the best of these three? Seattle, San Francisco. Yeah, because the Packers had Jordan Love. Like, and not like they're in the post Rogers era, so uh, there's a high chance they weren't going to be good. The Commanders. I don't want to be mean, but they're the commanders, so it was pretty accepted. It was pretty figured they're going to be like a game or two under 500, which they somehow seem to be at every point for the last 10 years. Uh, I feel like I'm being mean now. But they're divisional matchups, so that's why they get the, like, Commanders-Cowboys, that just feels like a, a Thanksgiving. That's, that's a nostalgic game. It feels Thanksgiving. Yeah, I have a distinct memory of Dak Prescott's rookie year going to play them we played them like twice in three weeks and the second time we were in dallas and it was like washington was competitive that year until we hit the cowboys and i just remember being racked with nerves going into the game because it was like a must win game and then dak prescott just absolutely shredded us i i don't have the numbers from me i didn't bother looking them up but if if i had to guess i would guess dak prescott had 512 rushing yards that game Oh yeah, I remember that game. Yeah. Oh, it was it was five fourteen actually. It was a hell. It was a hell of performance by Dak. It was like every drop back, he would just wait two ticks and then just take off for eleven yards. Yeah, a couple times he, they had him like pinned, and he would just go ninety eight yards to the house, and then once he got to their end zone, he would just go back the other way, and they give him two touchdowns. We also have obviously night game San Francisco Seattle seven point mm-hmm. line. Uh, we didn't mention it, but Washington Dallas is a thirteen and a half point line. I guess. To give the NFL some credit here, you kind of want your Thanksgiving games to be something that you don't have to pay like a ton of attention to because right. there's going to be well, 95 fuckers in your house and you got to listen to all of them yapping. Yeah. Do people like being around their family? Oh, there's always like, you know, the one guy who, the one uncle or something that shows up and wants to talk loudly about politics and is like, no, I'm not racist. All right. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and you're like, oh, boy. This seems really specific to your family. No. How dare you? How dare you? I'm not I'm not seeing them this Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, it's I feel like it's good to have games where you could like go eat 
every once in a while you just kind of creep over in the chair. You're like, okay, yeah. And that's about what I figured. And then you can move it along. I think you do like, uh, we were talking about the lines earlier. My teasers are stupid. but <laughs> So I don't think I'm going to tease anything. But I, I kind of like commies plus 13 and a half, but I just could see how it will go so disastrous. 13 and a half is such a massive line for a yeah. divisional game. Especially like off the, just right now, power ranking, the NFC East. Who's the <laughs> number one team in the NFC East? Oh, Eagles, but Cowboys have been playing. They've been white hot. Okay. Washington played both Eagles games to within one score. Right. Yeah. This is just the kind of Washington game where they get up for and it ends up really close. So I like the 13 and a half. And Packers, Lions. Not a big believer in this Lions defense. Really? Yeah. You've come around on this. I feel like you were the, the last surviving defender of the actually the Detroit Lions are really, really good club. No, I think they're really, really good, but their defense is, is shaky. I think, think CJ CJ Gardner Johnson's getting ready to come Johnson back. Gardner Johnson? Um yeah. you think when Ben Johnson inevitably gets hired to go coach like Buffalo. LA next year? <laughs> yeah. How what what is this Detroit team gonna look like? Are they gonna be bad again? Like, is their window closing as their offensive coordinator leaves? Jared Goff could regress. I think, like, who offensively is calling his game is very important. Yeah, like, think think about the, the difference between when Jeff Fisher was calling Jared Goff games versus when Sean McVay was. Yeah, like, Sean McVay unlocked him for a season, and then I feel like after the Super Bowl, he really gave up on him. Like, he didn't even, like, attempt to try to help him out with his play calling. He just wanted to get rid of him, so he tanked him. He just tanked the golf. And then Ben like, Johnson. I feel like Sean McVay gets bored. It's an underrated subplot. Yeah, it's kind of like the Toy Story meme. The, I don't want to play with you anymore. As the, the kid's dropping the toy. I feel like it's kind of like that. He like just gets unenamored with players. And he's kind of like, yeah, you're not exciting to me anymore. Moving on. Like, like they really... Makers. They should have traded for Trey Lance this year because I think that I think McVay's starting to get bored with Stafford. And if you drop Trey Lance into his lap, he'd have fun for another few years. Yeah, because Stafford's getting old. Yeah, he's like forty-seven. Yeah, McVay's just not excited about it. He's never had like a fun mobile quarterback, so I feel like he'd love to get one of them. I could see a universe where McVay is just bored and like ready for a change of scenery, and he pulls a Peyton, like hits the death tires. Yeah, hit, hits a desk for a month, and then there's some sort of like compensation to move his contract or you know let him go somewhere else. But wouldn't that feel like such a waste? Doesn't he feel like someone who belongs in L.A.? I mean, just go to the Chargers. You really want him to have less fans than he has now? That's your idea? I also... Okay, we're getting, we're getting way off topic, and yeah, I promise we'll get back to the rundown here in a second. Okay. But people have been talking about what coach the Chargers should hire, mm -hmm. and they're like... They should hire Ben Johnson. They should hire Eric Bieniemy, And I'm like, the offense isn't the problem. Why are we hiring a head coach to fix it? The offense is fine. Like, Kellen Moore is a good offensive coordinator. They've been awesome on offense. Why is the solution to bring in an offensive coordinator head coach when the offensive coordinator coordinator is doing a good job? 
Yeah, I'd be interested to see the Chargers' average starting position. Because I feel like even if, like, let's say their defense finally does make a stop, there's no way it's on, like, the other side of the field. Like, they're making a stop around, like, the 40 or 50, and their offense is coming out pinned back or you know pinned in the back and it's like well now what are we supposed to do like i don't think there's a universe where like you've kind of said it with the bills because there's games where their offense can will feel like it's stagnated and they won't put up a buttload of points but then you've connected it to like no it's the 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 defense's fault especially with buffalo because mcdermott plays so much bend but don't break so we get shit field position but no i I agree the big concern like herbert and the offense that can easily be tweaked and they'll get running it's totally the the defensive problem. Not even tweeting they'll get run. They're already running. Don't d- don't tweak is my my complaint. Don't bring someone in that's going to tweak. True that they had a shot in that game last week if Quentin Johnson catches that ball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're Here, I I, I can pull it up real quick. But I bet they're I, if I had to guess, I bet their EPA per play on offense is top 8. Let's see. They're yeah, 7th. An EPA per play. Wow. Man, they're ahead of Detroit. Yeah, so you want Ben Johnson to come in and ruin this team? That's what you're telling me? Fuck is Minnesota 11th. That team is such an enigma. (laughs) I'll never be able to bake them out. All right, all right. Let's let's close out Thanksgiving talk here real real quick. Mike, you you want to throw out this tease here that you said you're not going to bet? Yeah, I might just... I think I've changed my mind. I'm just going to bet, like, the spreads I like straight up. Or if there's, like, one I want to move a little bit, I'll just alt-spread it. Like, why affect the other ones a stupid tease? Who does teases? I like Commanders plus 13 and a half. I don't know. People are all... Some people like the Packers by, uh, plus 8 and a half. I... Detroit's defense could let... That's just fucking Jordan Love against Aiden Hutchinson. I'm not doing it. I feel like they're getting the serious bump because last week they looked good against, once again, the aforementioned dog shit Chargers defense. Yeah, like it, it just doesn't track. So, you know what? You know what? I'd like that better if it was a touchdown spread instead of eight and a half. But if we're going to do eight and a half, let's just let's go for the full Monty. Move him to minus nine and a half for plus odds. All right. And then lastly, we have Seattle, San Fran. I don't like even odds or even spreads. It's an even seven. I hate those because it gives you a chance to push. And I'm You would rather goal. lose than push. Yep. Yeah, I like to live dangerously. I'm either coming out on top or I'm coming out on. I'll on I'll top. agree with you. I don't like I don't like seven because seven is such a coward's bet. Yeah, like fuck Vegas, pick a side. All right, right. Either either let me bet the underdog plus seven and a half, or let me bet the favorite minus six and a half. Pick a fucking side, Vegas. Yeah, cowards. Fucking cowards. So we're gonna. This is another one where it's like Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Yeah, there's here's a guy. Here's a guy who played 19 different teams. Played 19 different teams, you know. Just thrown to the wayside by every every team that's in New Jersey. Uh, I'm going to also outspread this one. 41? Um, yeah, I'm going to do uh, <laughs> San Francisco. Dead air. I was trying to decide if I want to also go, go heavy and do minus nine and a half on that one. I, yeah, I, I just, I mean, you're, I, I don't like alt spreading to bigger spread divisional games. That being said, it is the NFC West. It's not like it's one of these divisions where it's like blood and guts all the way through. Yeah, I think that's what I'm doing there. Those are, those are my three picks. I like Detroit minus nine, nine and a half. I like 
Sandra like, minus nine and a half. You're giving out three picks, two of which are alt spreads that you changed the bet. In my like, read on Saturday, I, I'm always looking just to like bump a spread slightly to get like oh, plus yeah. 100. Yeah. It's, which, just, it's my go-to. Once again, huge props. Mike last week went four for four on his bets. If you if you want to make money on college football, bet on whatever Mike does, but only on week twelve. Yeah, I reek of perfection and piss excellence. What can I say? What can I say? Is that that is a crazy line I've never heard before? That's a Mike Regan original. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. All right, next up, gotta before we get to the full slate of games this weekend, we have uh, the Falcons return. The Falcons, the official team talent alone, talent alone team, the team of talent alone, Whoop. return from their bye week. Play at home against the Saints. The line currently is seen at Atlanta minus one. This is for the NFC South. This is big. So, uh, Atlanta minus one. Money lines at even odds either way. Over under 42 and a half. This is huge, Jim. It's huge, Jim. <laughs> this is huge, Jim. It's the whole division, Jim. <laughs> is this over under significantly too high? 42 and a half. That's another part of like my one of my common betting things is when a over under comes in. Pre- oh my God. Steelers Bengals. Once again, a Steelers game, 35 and a half. Anyway, um, when the, I like it's always go under people. If you don't think the under will hit, don't bet it, but don't go overs. Overs are stupid, man. So just pulling this up here real quick. EPA per play. Falcons are the 11th ranked defensive EPA per play. I should say Falcons are 11th ranked. Saints are sixth. So these are two top half of the NFL defenses on EPA per play. If we look at the success rate, uh, New Orleans is third and Atlanta is sixth. So yeah, we shouldn't be expecting a ton of production from this. These also aren't two potent offenses. Like you get the occasional Derek Carr, whoa, this guy plays football game. Hmm. And they're both coming off of a bye week. So there's something to be said there, but... It's a coaching matchup between Arthur Smith and Dennis Smith. A real who's who of who can't perform in the NFL. What, what do you see the game script being in this? There should be Dennis Allen. What did I say? Dennis Smith. Yeah, Dennis Allen. <laughs> Isn't that going to Dennis Smith Jr., maybe? <laughs> no, yeah, I was about to say Dennis Smith is a bench player in the NBA yeah. now. Um, <laughs> for the Brooklyn Nets, oddly enough. Uh what do you what do you see the game script in this being? It's, it's funny you mention that, um, because I started like, I sat down, I was like, all right, let's take a look at a few things, see how Atlanta should attack this one, and then I like got a pause and I went, ah, fuck all that, like just run the ball, every game, just run the ball, throw like short ins and outs to Drake London, and then every once in a while, duck it deep to Kyle Pitts, just do that every game, see how it works. I like how your solution to fix. Atlanta is to throw short to their number one wide receiver and throw deep to their number <laughs> yeah. one tight end. I'll never see it coming. Here's even better. Get get to some more 12 personnel. All right. And I want you to have John who one side pits the other and just both go routes fucking down the field. The only problem with that is that you need someone to throw it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, Cordero easy. Patterson play. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Same. I mean... Double pass. Easy. Yeah, Drake Bichon, London, Algier, Drake London, whoever. There you go. That, that's that's the game script here. Also, I hate minus. I don't know if you mentioned it. If you're of the same mindset, but minus one, dumbest lines in the world. 
especially because on FanDuel, on FanDuel it's minus one and a half, but on FanDuel the money line is minus one hundred eight, minus one hundred eight. Yeah, so just, just fucking make it a pick them and take the spread off the board, guys. Yeah. Once again, get off the fence, FanDuel. Get off the fucking fence, FanDuel. All right, Mike, for those of you who are new, I don't know why I'm introducing this to you as if you were unfamiliar with us. Those of you who are new to our segment covering the Atlanta Falcons, typically what we do here is we build a same-game parlay each, keep track of that, and then come back next week and tell you how we only lost it by one or two legs. Just a heads up, I do these on DraftKings, typically, because DraftKings A has a wider range of same-game parlay options. And B puts out their player props earlier than FanDuel does. Oh. So my same game parlay this week. Unfortunately, we are a little limited on what we can choose just because it is Thursday morning and Thanksgiving. So mm. the props aren't, aren't quite out yet. Uh, I will tell you this. For some reason, DraftKings lets you bet team unders and total unders in a parlay together. Affects the, uh, affects the odds, oddly enough. Like worth putting the leg in? Affects the odds? Uh, added plus 200 to the total odds on this. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, like I previously mentioned, I think that this is an instant bet on the under. I don't think that these two teams are going to break 20 points. I can't remember the last time that I've seen Atlanta play a game that went over 42 points. It's two top-end defenses, two lame offenses. It's really a, a recipe to bet under 42 on DraftKings. The other thing is, I think Taysom Hill props are still underrated because he just, I, he must have dirt on Saints ownership because no matter what, he gets seven to 10 snaps a game mm -hmm. and does something with them. So I went two Taysom Hill props here. I went Taysom Hill over 19 and a half rushing yards and Taysom Hill anytime touchdown score. Not typically an anytime touchdown scorer guy, but... Taysom Hill seems as automatic as it's going to be. If you got a guy who's coming in to play running back, quarterback, and tight end, at some point, he'll find the end zone. They love also, they love to bring in Taysom Hill as the quarterback and then run an option with him where he just like runs to the outside with Alvin Kamara outside of him. And if he gets hit, can huck it over to Kamara, but otherwise he can just run it. Yeah. Fucking love that play. And then my final leg here, Atlanta Falcons team total under 20 and a half. I still think Atlanta wins this game, but I think we see a final score of something along the lines of 17-14. And that all comes together. Four legs, under 42.5, over 19.5 rushing yards for Taysom Hill, anytime touchdown score for Taysom Hill, and under 20.5 total points for the Atlanta Falcons. Comes out to plus 1,300 on DraftKings. like it. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. uh, obviously, as pretty well documented, I'll have to start using DraftKings for this since we recorded earlier, but FanDuel is usually my betting book of choice. Uh, FanDuel make every moment matter. <laughs> now they have to pay us. That's the rule. That's the rule. <laughs> so I went, I'm just living the gimmick. So I went, I also think the Falcons win and I think one and a half point spreads are stupid. So I moved that to minus two and a half. I also taken the under. I like the under here. This game has like 20 to 17 written all over it. If that, that might be a little generous. Um, so I took under the 42 and a half and then also not crazy about anytime touchdown, but with Jameis playing, I feel like he's good for at least like one deep shot a game. May not do much else, but I feel like he'll hit one receiver for like a 30 yard touchdown. So I took Chris Olave anytime study. Total odds are plus 1561. So you really think there's going to be two touchdowns in this game? There has to be at least two, right? 
What am I giving him too much credit? You think? <clears throat> what was that game we were talking about like a week or so ago, where there was just seven field goals and no other scores by a team? Had to have been a Falcons game, right? That <laughs> <laughs> just follows the Falcons like yeah. game script how, how, how it would go. Just saying, it's not out of the question for this one. Just to belabor my point, minus one and a half, whatever the odds are, bump it up one point to minus two and a half. It's plus one twelve. Why don't more people do this? No, because people just go on the front page and click whatever bets are there. That's true. I also, I'm a chronic like plus odds chaser. So, yeah. Do you ever bet anything that you're paying a vig on? Yeah, I, I do sometimes, but usually that's going to end up in a parlay. <laughs> that doesn't count. It doesn't. I no. I do for my on Saturday bets sometimes because I ever like, place straight up your bets from on Saturday. I do, I do every week. Okay, you place all of them straight up, not in a parlay? Yeah, I place them all straight up. Oh, no, look at you. Look at you, yeah. growing up before my very eyes. I place all those straight up, and then the money I make off those, I lose on parlays. <laughs> or live betting. That goes horribly, horribly wrong. Anyway, uh, Falcons. Are they... Uh... Sorry, that was a terrible... <laughs> We're going to try that again. Anyway, so the Falcons... Is this it for them? Season over if they lose? Drop to four and seven? I think it's it for either one of these teams if they lose. Okay. I think if if either one of these teams lose, we should just announce Tampa Bay wins the division. Just give it... Like, whoa, 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 my Panthers could still come back. <laughs> With their one win over Stratcad. And they get real off seven straight. Gets to eight and nine. Eight and nine could win this division. 8-9 could win this division. Are the Panthers really 4-6 and six right now? The Panthers? Not the Falcons. Falcons I haven't had coffee are... today because I, yeah. I haven't unpacked my coffee setup. Yeah, Panthers are 4-6. and six. They're also dog Falcons, you said Panthers this time. Yeah. Damn, do we just need to start this podcast over? Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Should we just delete the recording and start from scratch? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So Mike, what do you think? Outcome of this game? You taking, uh, you thinking Atlanta wins by at least two points? Every week. I find myself saying, oh, yeah, like Falcons could beat this team by at least a field goal. And so often they make me look like an idiot. People but, love to talk about the Chargers as the team that snatches defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm -hmm. Atlanta really is good at that. Atlanta every week, it's like they have a fumble out of the end zone that's a safety for the other team. Or they have two red zone turnovers by Bijan Robinson that flips the game. It's every week or, you know. Arthur Smith loses his fucking mind and doesn't call a pass play for three and a half quarters. Yeah, it's, it's just um, always something, man. It's never a good look when your EPA per play, pass and run are both negative. I wonder what takes away, like you have it up right now, what takes mm -hmm. away more expected points per play? The Falcons defense or the Falcons offense? Yeah, I mean, their defense is minus uh, 0.034 per play, so... Mm -hmm. That's definitely better than whatever their total was for offense. I just named off the pass and the run. But okay. with those both being in the negative, it's pretty safe to say <laughs> that their overall EPA per play on offense, not great. So those red zone turnovers, man, they kill EPA. They do. They Something do. I've been hearing a lot this week all of a sudden for no reason. So now I'm going to start saying it like I figured it out. Yeah, I also, I'm going to mention something when we get to the, like, looking at Sunday and whatnot. Um, but I saw someone on Twitter who has like a, a website with models that 
track shit. Um, I'll shout him out in a minute, but he tweeted like quote unquote, the Bills are losing because of Josh Allen's turnovers, and he said actually he's hurt his team less with turnovers than the current MVP front runner, which is Jalen Hurts. It is Jalen Hurts, yeah, yeah, he's farther up on this this uh, this chart. I what goes into that is a lot of it like do these models track like situation? I know DVOA does. EPA is it's expected points added. And that's all I can really mm-hmm. tell you. I, I guess it does take into account situation because red zone turnovers hurt it a lot. Because okay. your expected points in the red zone are a lot higher than your expected points on like your own 36. Gotcha. But honestly, couldn't tell you. Just one of those things people know. go, this smart statistic. And I go, good, me sound smart. Yeah, like this, this smart person figured it out. It has to be right. It's like for years and years and years, I was like, purr. And then someone was like, actually, purr sucks. And I'm like, yeah, purr sucks. Couldn't get my, my, my monster open. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Regan, the adult. <laughs> Drinking a monster. One of the big ones. One of the big boys. <laughs> Good thing it's sugar-free, though, at least. Is that? Because I thought uh, aspartame or whatever is supposed to kill, all, kill us all. Oh, there's no aspartame in this. <laughs> this is a terrible fucking podcast. All right. Anything else on these Falcons? Thank God we're past the midway point in the season. We can we can drop them soon. Well, unless they make the playoffs. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a god out there and he could talk to Derek Carr for me, just please tell Derek Carr to to be on one today. I I know we picked the Falcons. We got to stick by him, man. Once you pick a team, you're you're stuck in there. But oh man, if I have to watch this Falcons team for another round, or God forbid they win in the wild card another two rounds, it might kill me. Yeah, enjoy that all 22 sesh this week. This game's going to end 11 to 13, and I'm going to have to watch it twice. Yeah, I would probably just watch. Now, well, the NFL app sucks, and you can't split up what you watch. I was going to say, I just watched the defensive plays. That'll probably be more entertaining. Oh, well, those are also. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's always defensive plays there, Mike. Who knows? You can. We'll fix it in post, as they say. You want to talk about Sunday instead of talking about feet? Or Before that, should we like mention, let's like drop in here the weird Friday game? Oh, yeah. Dolphins yeah, I Jets. have that as I have that as uh, one of my one of my other games to talk about. So okay, might cool. We'll hit on it. So first off, it's worth noting that the uh, the Dolphins will be starting, you know, boring old Tua Tungavailoa. We already know everything. Not interesting. Nothing to say about Tua Tungavailoa. And mm-hmm. the Jets are going to be starting this hot new stud, sexy Tim Boyle, who is like, have you looked at this guy's college statistics? Have you have you been in on this whole conversation yet? No. Okay. Hold on. I'm uh, bringing it up. First off, let me, let me see if you can guess. Where did Tim Boyle play in college? Was it UConn? Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. How did you know that? R- Romo mentioned it, so I can't take credit for that. All right, Mike. He has 275 total college attempts. Once again, NFL quarterback, 275 total college attempts. What is his touchdown to interception ratio? For his college career? For his college career. How many seasons? 275 attempts, three seasons. Why'd this dude come out early? <laughs> Settle down, Tim Boy. What were your what were people telling you about your, your draft position? Even weirder, his junior year, he played in a bowl somehow. You just gotta get to seven wins, and I, I wonder what I wonder where UConn was that year. Anyway, but um, 2015 UConn. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if they were even like what division they're in. They're in a fucking trash one. I don't even know if they're yeah. American. Oh, okay. Um, so 
three seasons, two seventy five passing attempts, uh, like six to a f- six. <laughs> so you think he's even? He's through six even. touchdowns, six interceptions. Yeah. One touchdown. Thirteen interceptions. Okay, they were running a shitload of triple option at UConn. <laughs> that is safe to say. Uh, here, I pulled up. I pulled up the uh, the twenty fifteen Connecticut Husky stats. All right, Mike, would you wager to guess on who the starting quarterback that year was? I will give you a hint. It wasn't Tim Boyle. I don't know. How can you ask me this? I don't know. <laughs> Why would I know well, Tim Boyle is an NFL for... quarterback. Tim Tim Boyle is starting in the NFL this week, which means whoever the starting quarterback ahead of him was Tommy has DeVito. to be an NFL caliber quarterback. Tommy DeVito is like 21. Jeff Tool. I think he went to Temple. Bryant Sharifs. I think you're thinking of Sharif. He's the offensive lineman. <laughs> Played at Iowa, right? No. Oh, in okay. fact. Just a heads up for your next all-transfer portal. Bryant Sharifs initially played at North Carolina State and transferred to Connecticut in 2015. Yeah, you can't be a all-transfer portal if you go to a worse school with worse competition. Went from the <laughs> ACC to the American. Yeah, you don't get you don't get credit for that. So, anyways, Tim Boyle, one touchdown, 13 interceptions in his college career, somehow played in the NFL. Mike, does this lead you to believe that one of us, by sheer force of will, could be in the NFL next year? I think if we just hang around the Jets facility for long enough, eventually, once Rogers gets hurt again. Just, yeah, just do ayahuasca with Rogers a few times, sit in a dark room with him for a few hours, and then just hang out. Wait for the call. Fuck, man. One of us us could definitely be the defensive coordinator on the Jets next year. Well, because Robert Sala probably takes care of everything, right? (laughs) I just mean because it's Aaron Rodgers' team, and we're all just living in it. That's true. That's true. Did you want to talk about just the actual game? The line on it, Miami minus, minus nine and a half. Over under 41 points. This is one of those games that we still need a name for, but one of those games where one team can cover the total, I think. Eh, Jets defense is good. Maybe not. Yeah, we still need a name for that. I was all week I've been I've been tinkering and thinking, and nothing's was, come to mind quite yet. I was moving, so I kind of yeah. forgot to think about it. Tyreek Hill is questionable. I don't know. It makes a pretty significant difference. I, you, really? I don't like the guy, but he's the he's the whole offense. True. Uh, this Jets, Jets defense kind of got a little beat up there by Buffalo. Like, yeah, Buffalo without. hung 33 on him, right? 32. And Miami's what, twice, three times as good as Buffalo? Mike, did you hear me? I said Miami's twice or three times as good as Buffalo. Mike, are you I there? Heard, I heard you. <laughs> So, you know, interesting thing about these Dolphins. <laughs> so, I think you sent me this website. It's the, uh, that, like, NFELO app.com. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the guy who had that tweet about Josh Allen that I mentioned. It's like, I think his name is Robbie. His Twitter handle is at Greer, Greer NFL. Robert Greer. Oh, that's right. I just put that together, and I'm an idiot. So, that's also a fun thing that we learned about this. But... So it tracks like NFL team tendencies, and this is only on first down, but 21 personnel, which is when you do two running backs. Here are the four teams that do it the most. San Francisco is 47%. Baltimore is 30%. Houston is 32%. Miami is 56%. Now, I want you to think about the four teams I just named. What do they all have in common? They're all in the AFC. They're all good offenses. Oh, San Francisco's in the NFC. (laughs) Yeah, they're all good offenses. I'm a sucker for two-back personnel. Why don't more teams do it? It's the Shanahan tree. The Shanahan tree loves the oh, two-back yeah. personnel. 
Uh, and that's uh, that's the Mike Shanahan tree, by the way, not mm-hmm. the Kyle Shanahan tree. The Mike Shanahan tree loves that. I mean, I'm sure if you go further down that list, you'll see the 49ers, especially the 49ers of old. But the what San Francisco loves to do with that two that 21 personnel is also that they just have like really good tight ends who like Kittle who can block and catch. Mm-hmm. So you and it just gives you it gives you a lot of versatility. Yeah, because I think isn't twenty one personnel. Yeah, two running backs, that, one tight end. Yeah, one tight end, two two wide receivers. Yeah, I, I just love. I just think, and it gives you, like you said, it just gives you so much you can do, especially coming out of the backfield, having those two options. I think it just it forces defenses to have to account for so much, especially if you have fucking stud athletes who can like with speed on your team. Mm-hmm. The defenses have to account for so much. So that's just so, a quick stat. You know? I do just want to throw this out there for people that aren't familiar with this terminology. When you hear personnel types like that, 11 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, 20 personnel, the first number denotes how many running backs are on the field. The second number denotes how many tight ends are on the field. And the reason it works like that is because if you do the quick math, five offensive linemen, one quarterback, that's six total players. Then you have the second thing. So say 21 personnel. So five offensive linemen, one quarterback, that's six. Two running backs, that's eight. One tight end, that's nine which leaves how many wide receivers Two, Yeah. So that's, that's why that works because you just, it tells you basically what the formation in line is going to look like. And then it, just from that, you can figure out how many wide receivers are on the field. Yeah. I feel like has, has, is it just me or does it feel like 12 personnel has become like the hot buzzword this season? Yeah. Because we have, we have just a lot of teams in the NFL now. Like I, mm-hmm. people like to talk about how tight ends aren't, are no longer as big of a part of offenses because a lot of people play fantasy and tight end production has decreased a lot in the last few years. But tight ends are like a huge part of the game now because you know what teams fucking love doing is getting six or seven blockers on the field against seven, seven defensive linemen. And then just having a running back have be able to find a hole and go upfield. You mix that, like you get 21 personnel and you mix that with like a wide receiver bunts to the opposite side of the formation. And the, the running back in theory, has to beat two guys to, to score a touchdown. So I think that we're seeing this uptick in these things because everyone in the NFL has a big-ass, powerful tight end they can tack onto the end of the line. And now you get guys like Kelsey, who are becoming more and more of an anomaly, or Kyle Pitts, like guys who aren't known for their blocking but are more just oversized receivers. But I would see what we see a lot more is your Logan Thomases, your now Dalton Kincaid's, Sammy L money what is, what is it Sammy Legitta that's what you call those guys you can put them in line and they can block now maybe they're not going to be as good as a left tackle but they can they can throw a block on a, a linebacker and move them and yeah. open up space and from that you also get a lot of confusion when you drop a guy out and do a route like think Dalton Kincaid 12 personnel right on on Buffalo you have Dalton Kincaid and who's the other guy that starts with a D um yeah he's he's on IR right now but it's uh, yeah. Dawson Knox yeah, Dawson Knox. So you get Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid both on like the strong side of the formation. You just have one guy run a post and one guy running out to a flat. One of those guys is getting covered by like a middle linebacker who's just a slow white guy. Yeah. And boom, there you have your mismatch. You have you have Dalton Kincaid running against a middle linebacker from fucking Fresno or something. Yeah, I feel like that was the idea with the Kincaid pick. Was we're gonna go to more twelve personnel. I don't feel like we did it a lot. 
I think you guys did early season. I'd, I'd have to look oh, yeah. at it again. I feel like early in the season, you guys ran a shitload of 12 personnel. Like, the first few games. Yeah. I, but I think, you, I mean, you, you didn't get your running game going until later in the season, so it kind of defeated the purpose, right? Because when you saw 12 personnel out there, people, like, teams weren't biting on the run. Mm-hmm. Which is also, like, that helps too, right? Like, if you're... So, do you know why they call it a zero blitz? Because you don't drop anybody back besides your guys who are in coverage like your second yeah one? so that's that's exactly it there's no there's no zone in a zero blitz mm-hmm. it's all everyone who would normally drop into a zone for coverage is blitzing and everyone else is covering man to man and when you get in situations like that it's to stop the run typically or a desperation play to stop a quarterback who is bad against the blitz but when you get a run blitz in a zero blitz and have no safety valves on the back end, then for real, you're getting a guy who's pinning back his ears to rush the passer, whose man is a tight end who can just run up the seam, and you just drop into their lap. And I think that that's yeah. what makes 12 personnel so much fun. But then, hmm. like you said, the Shanahan tree stuff with this 21 personnel, it's, an, it's another thing where it's just, it's route diversity, ops and diversity within the same sets. And so that's what makes the 49ers so fucking scary, is that they'll line up in say even 22 personnel, right? They'll have like Juszczyk and McCaffrey or Elijah Mitchell and McCaffrey, two tight ends, and then a wide receiver out wide, like Debo Samuel. But then they can just motion McCaffrey out to an X receiver spot or motion Kittle out to a bunch formation or motion Debo into the backfield. And that's what, when they have all those weapons that can play from all these different spots, that's what makes this 21 personnel so scary, is that everyone can move around and you could just pick on mismatches over and over and over again. It's almost basketball offense with the switching. Yeah, and especially, like, your point on... That's why I feel like defenses feel the need to go so boring against, like, a Patrick Mahomes, especially when they had Tyree Kill, as much as I hate him. It's like, you can't... You can't call zero blitzes on that, that team because, one, having a guy... Go to go in man coverage. Who's going to hang with Tyree Kill? Like he's just so fast. And then you're going to end up with like Travis Kelsey, who, like you said, can get by like a like a middle linebacker and then get the fucking. Even if he doesn't, he's like the size of the Jolly Green Giant. So there's just like so many options there that open up on the blitz counter where you just can't stop it. Uh, we'll talk about it in a second. I was going to say that uh, every quarter, every top end quarterback now is just phenomenal against the blitz. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that change happened, but like all the top end quarterbacks now, it's like, oh, their passer rating normal is like a 99.6. And against the Blitz, it's a 126.1 because the Blitz just simplifies everything. You go, all right, here comes the Blitz. That guy's kind of open. Is I feel like that's what made like, like Brady. Yeah, he's good against the Blitz. Yeah, he's just like so smart. And knows where he's going to go. So once you send him, he knows where that open guy is and he's going to get it out. I mean, he always yeah. had, he was always like, what, towards the bottom of the league, like bottom like five in time to throw. Like he just, he'd never yeah. fucked around. Well, yeah. that's, that's the thing with Brady though. Like the only way you could even beat Brady was by getting pressure when we're only rushing four. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I just want to point out one more funny percentage of these tendencies and then we can get back into our games this week. But on first down, 85% of the time, the Panthers are coming out in 11 personnel. Well, yeah, they got to get all those super high, valuable wide receivers on the field, Mike. Why are you coming out with that many wide receivers and letting, like, 
I just I feel like they're trying to break Bryce Young. <laughs> like that is not setting that poor kid up for success running okay. so much eleven. Just personnel. off the top of your head. Say say the Panthers come out in eleven personnel. Mm-hmm. Who are the four wide receivers? So you got Thielen, Shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Mingo is probably your four. That's There's three. Like a, right, but I think he's like he's your slot. Uh, yeah, maybe you're. Uh, actually, no, I think because of how Thielen plays. I don't know. Uh, there's like a journeyman. LaVisca Chenault. Is he there? No, there's like a journeyman. He was there at some point. I don't know if he's yeah. still there or not. There's like a journeyman wide receiver on that team that I can't remember. But that's kind of the point, right? They're running out all of these offenses, 11 personnel. And you and I, two people who cover football twice a week on a podcast, mm-hmm. couldn't name four Panthers wide receivers who would line up out there. Yeah. And then they have... As much as he came out of an amazing school, well, Hay- Hayden Hurst is hurt right now. And they like Tommy Tremble, like amazing, but not, you don't think of even Hayden Hurst, they're not like elite tight ends. So maybe they're like, well, we can't do 12. We have fucking Hayden Hurst and Tommy Tremble. Can't go 12 personnel. Can't go 21 because that'd be Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. What did Miles Sanders do? Uh, he was bad at football. He was just garbage. Yeah, he's okay. bad. Who's Chuba Hubbard? Why isn't my guy Raheem Blackshear getting more love? Former By the Buffalo way, Lewis Chanel is still on Carolina. He is. I think he yeah. would be the number four unless they're like Terrence Marshall Jr. is really climbing the depth charts. All right. Let's uh let's move oh, on yeah, here. Let's, let's, hit our, <laughs> let's hit our games of the week. All right. So that, that technically takes one off of my other game. So why don't you go ahead and take the first game of the week here, Mike? All right, first game of the week. Is it the biggest game on the slate, would you say? Um biggest as in most important. No, because it's cross no. it's cross conference. Biggest as yeah. in most interesting, probably gonna have the most eyeballs on it. Yes. Mm. Although that being said, my game of the week is the Sunday night game. But okay. I, I I I don't think it has the biggest impact, but I think that it is the highest quality teams that are playing each other. Yeah, that's I guess that's what where I was kind of going. So I went Homer, I went Bills at Eagles. Once again, I think we have a run here. Of last week was the first of four straight Romo games. I think we're getting really, <laughs> yeah, because we have um, the Eagles. Then we get uh, then we get a buy. Then we have to go to Kansas City, and then we're home for Dallas. It, I know it so. sucks being a Bills fan and already not being where you thought you should be, and then having this ridiculously hard schedule to end the year. Mm-hmm. But as an outside observer, fuck, all those games are exciting, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I think the Bills' be defense has been so potent, or Bills' offense has been so potent, and their defense has, like, learned to play with all the injuries. Mm-hmm. And then going against Kansas City, whose offense has been kind of weak, but their defense is really good, that game's going to be awesome. Dallas? Dallas is going to throw for a million yards on you guys, but Josh Allen is also going to throw for a million yards. Oh, you, you don't think... Two interception, Rasul Douglas can't shut down Dak. That's what they should put before that game. You know how they have like the little graphic up where they have like one, mm-hmm. the biggest player from each team. It should be, it should be uh, Duran Bland and Rasul Douglas. <laughs> Let's go. I'd pop big time for that. So, yeah, this is uh, a f- the first game of just a murderer's row of a finish of the season. But what's fun about that is if we pull it off, make the playoffs, we'll be rolling. If we pull, like, you'd have to think theoretically for us to get there with the competition we're facing like we'd have to be hot white hot uh if if we do that 
Interesting note. Eagles. You think good defense. There's a lot of things they do really well. Some of the, the advanced stats on it don't tell the same story. Like PFF has them like 20th grade. Um, I know like by EPA per play, they're slightly in like the bottom half of the league, which is kind of surprising. Uh, considering yeah, middle in defense this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, I still, like, I love their pass rush, obviously, and they still do like a lot of things well, but I don't think as complete as last season. I mean, they did just hold the Chiefs to 17 points, but once again, another game where, like, if MVS can catch a ball, it's very different. Uh, obviously, if you go back, like, a month or so in this podcast, I was picking on MVS when we talked about what's wrong with Kansas City's offense. But that's also a big part of this game. They just beat Kansas City. That was their Super Bowl. It's come, it's come down time, baby. It it's literally was their Super Bowl. It literally was. We kind of saw this last year. The Bills beat the Chiefs early on, and then that's when like stuff started to go downhill. This year, the Bills shit smacked the Dolphins early on, and then that's where stuff started to go downhill. My my, my camera fell. Oh, okay. I was like, "What are you doing over there?" This could be a big letdown game for Philadelphia. Also, we got Joe Brady week two. He's gonna be up in the booth with his chain on. Uh. He is an interesting looking fella. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, the Bills offense definitely looked more consistent, I'll say, under Joe Brady than it did Ken Dorsey. But like you kind of said, he just came he just came out and ran Ken Dorsey's offense. I mean, you know my take on it. Yeah. I think I think that. Ken Dorsey was never the problem, and Sean McDermott was just trying to save his job. I agree. So I am surprised a little bit that the line's only three. Yeah, that is that is surprising. I wonder. I wonder what unpredictable says it should be. Although unpredictable just bases it off of betting market, so they probably won't say anything. Like PFF says plus three, but I'm trying to see what Fanduel. Yeah, Fanduel has that plus three, and I think Covers.com does as as, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So, but I I got a ride. I got to ride with my boys here. I think we're going to get hot down the stretch. I think we're going to get going. So I'm going to say the Bills win this game. Is I don't know if this is my specific prediction, but I will make a hot take. Bills are winning by two scores. That's a pretty hot take. Could be just nine or ten. Bills winning by two scores. So looking at Impredictable's uh, generic points favored metric, this game should be... Bills plus two. So close enough, I guess. But still. Still. Just. It does seem a little close. Um, And also, a lot of the action is on Philly minus three. Yeah. I wish I could find a website that does good pace of play statistics. Basketball reference. (laughs) For football. Because of the run heavy aspect, Philadelphia would chew up more time. Fair to say? Per drive? Yeah, of course. So this is where I'm basing this thing on. I think Philly is going to be able to move the ball on us. I think Buffalo is going to come out and strike fast. I like some of our explosive ability. Kalir Shakir, we saw it last week. That window was tight that Josh fit that one into. I select some of our offensive pieces that I think can score quick. Um, Yeah, I'm sticking by it. Two scores. My specific prediction, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, combine for 
three sacks. Damn, I guess that that offensive line too. Anyone important out on Buffalo side that wasn't listed as before? Naheem Hines, but he's been out for a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why we called up um, Ty Johnson. <laughs> what? Of course, in a game where people are looking for the offense to get going, Ty Johnson pops off. <laughs> yeah, that one touchdown. I was like, this just makes sense. And then we obviously, you know, we have waiting in the wings on the practice squad. Who? Playoff Lenny. <laughs> so basically if we get to the playoffs we're guaranteed to win the super bowl is he just pissed off all the time because he went from being like a super bowl caliber running back to being a guy who's on the practice squad of a team without a spectacular running back room i feel like ever since jacksonville got rid of him and people were like oh look at his like yards per run blah 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 i feel like ever since then he's just always had a chip on his shoulder and been pissed off did he play did he play for the eagles for a minute am i remembering that correctly you might be thinking of uh, LeGarrette think, Blunt. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm thinking of uh, Jordan Howard. Oh, I forgot about Jordan Howard. He was like a one-season wonder in Chicago, wasn't he? Or was it in Philly? He he played in Philly. He might have played in Tampa. <laughs> this is my favorite game of sit around and name guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, to get off that, let's talk my game of the week. Ravens at Chargers. Oh, did you give a final score? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say Buffalo wins... 30 to 21. So you went two scores and then in your final. <laughs> final. Oh, I guess that's two scores. That's two scores. That's two yeah. scores. <laughs> two scores. You've, you got away with that. All right, mine this week. Ravens at Chargers. This is the Sunday night football game, which gives us pretty good Sunday night football, if you ask me. Current line set at Baltimore minus three and a half. That line seems too short, if you're asking me. Over under 47 and a half. I believe that's the highest over under on the week. Let me double check that. It is, in fact, the highest over under on the week. I think that uh, a main plot point, top line of this game, this game is for Brandon Staley's soul, right? Like, they lose this game, they're base, they're all but mathematically eliminated from the playoff picture, and Brandon Staley probably gets shit canned and replaced with, I guess Kellen Moore. I don't know who if their defensive coordinator is getting bumped up in in that situation. That would be hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> a big swerve. It is a the the Ravens offense who who has had good weeks and had bad weeks and and all their wins are just stupefyingly dumb when they or all their loses are stupefyingly dumb when they do lose. But this is the like boost spot for opposing offenses against the Chargers defense. I mean, we could legitimately see Lamar rush for a hundred and throw for two hundred or. Do like have like 150 and 150 and three touchdowns. I mean, it's it's a th- this will be one of those games where just as the general football watching audience, Lamar will get a boost in the MVP rankings, despite the fact that we don't look at the situation that he's playing a terrible defense. The other end of things, we get Justin Herbert, the supercomputer, against the Ravens defense. It is a very, very good defense, but Justin Herbert has proven to be generally pretty defensive proof because he just processes everything so well. So I think that this could be like a, a high offensive impact game. Your one point where you said, oh, do your two points real quick because they're kind of encompassed in what I'm about to say. You think the line should be heavier towards the Ravens? That is because there is still a perceived, there's a Justin Herbert and how good that offense can be effect to this. And that, in my opinion, ties into where you say, I think 
I think Lamar is going to go off. I expect him to at least. And it will give him a big MVP bump. And it is once again, because of Justin Herbert, Herbert and the like general perception that people have that the Chargers are actually a good football team. <laughs> and they ignore the fact that their defense is horrendous. Um, and Herbert and Keenan Allen are having to pull this team as much as they can. Uh, Austin Eckler has not been having a good year. No, he uh, got too concerned with running back contracts. It's really weighing him down. He gets yeah. out there, breaks to the outside, has one defender to beat, and then just the existential dread of the fact that he knows his career will be over within the next two years sets in. Oh, Jesus. I think I'm depressed after that. <laughs> Along with uh, the Zoom man, Austin Eckler. Um, and then I feel like, I mean, Keenan Allen, opposite, he continues to defy time and just be a, a monster. And then... He had two ugly drops last week, which it's, it's very uncharacteristic for him. I don't think this is a new trend or anything, but he had two that were both going to be touchdowns if he didn't drop them. Like the, the, the Chargers, by all rights, should have won that game because they had three drop touchdowns in it. That's true. And people want to say like this or that about Justin Herbert in the year he's having. But keep in mind, this dude, once again, outside of Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams, IR. Jordan Palmer is out indefinitely. I think I, on the latest, yeah, Guyton even is questionable. And not like Guyton is the greatest wide receiver in the world, but he's questionable. So then they have Quentin Johnson, who obviously had the rough drop last week. And it's like, who's the number two receiver on this team? They've never had a good tight end since Antonio Gates. How dare you disparage Donald Parham in this, this Discord <laughs> right. call right now? <laughs> The man's probable for a hip. He's already hurt his hip. His career's over. Oh, you'd hurt your hip too if you were six foot eleven or whatever he is. Yeah, that's All true. right. God damn it. And then one other injury note: Joey Bosa's out indefinitely. Yeah, he's he's out for this game for sure. He sprained his foot. With how the defense has been playing, kind of a hot take question, but does it even matter? <laughs> well, here's here's the thing, right? You have to ask yourself: Joey Bosa's out. Arguably, not even arguably, definitively, the most important defensive position is pass rusher. They're the person that has the highest impact on, on, I mean, win percentage, GPA per play, success rate, all those kind of things. They're losing their most important defensive player. Is there a chance that we see like an uptick by like two or three points per game on average? Yeah, I think so. I think it, it could get. Because like you said, I mean, Joey Bosa is at least good for two or three impact plays per game to try to help. And yeah, and it's not like he's he's a cornerback who you lost and and you know you people could throw away from anyways if he wasn't playing well. He was a pass yeah. rusher, right? And a, a high premium pass rusher at that. So you're looking at a situation where he only affect he doesn't have as many plays where he could potentially affect the game as like some other players. Also, keep in mind, and this is like you kind of do this with Josh and the Bills seventh. An EPA per dropback, the Chargers are. Yeah. Seventh. They're good. At 0.173. Their rush EPA is currently negative 0.164. I mean, that's a disparity that is on the levels of, like, the Vikings and the Bucks, And neither of them have an EPA per play through the air like the Chargers. Like, it's such a wild disparity considering what we've seen from, like, I, I know I keep coming back to it, but it just blows my mind how poor it's been 
so I just pulled this up real quick just to, to make note of it. Joey Bosa does, in fact, lead the Chargers in pressures. He has 24 pressures on the season yeah. uh, through 11 games. And mind you, he only played four snaps of the Green Bay game. Uh, and then before you give your predictions and all that good stuff, one question. Is Kellen Moore kind of being exposed here? What are you talking about? The offense is still really good. Justin Herbert's still really good. What is this? What? 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 So is it Kellen Moore's fault that Keenan Allen and Quentin Johnson combined to drop three touchdowns last week? It's fucking everyone wants to come for the Chargers, man. Come for Brandon <laughs> Staley. No, it's Brandon Staley's number one on the list if you're coming after the Chargers. I don't know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Do you think anybody's like trying to fire up Kellen Moore and be like, you're nothing without Mike McCarthy? <laughs> All right, go ahead and give your predictions. Yeah. That's why I can't fire him up. You can't look like him and be good at football without being very smart. Boise State legend, Kellen Moore. Is that the Bluefield? Yeah, it's still the Bluefield. Look at that. I usually think it's BYU. All right, so prediction-wise, given out the final score here, I think that the Ravens absolutely mud stomp the Chargers here. I think we see a high-scoring game that easily hits the over, though. I'm going to say 35-21 Ravens. 14-point win for the Purple Birds. I like that. So bet the overs, folks. Along with that, my oddly specific prediction of the week, I think Lamar Jackson totals over 400 yards and has at least two rushing touchdowns. Totals over 400. Totals over 400. I'm going to say he has 399 rushing yards and one passing yard. <laughs> no, that's not part of my, my prediction. My prediction the is just... Navy game? <laughs> yeah. They're just running triple option all game. My, my prediction is just Lamar totals over 400 yards and has two touchdowns. I feel like if there's any team that could go triple option heavy for fun, like against a shitty team, it would be the Ravens. Let's get uh, like the Eagles, Zay Flowers and Kenyon Mitchell in the backfield with Lamar Jackson, just triple option it up that way. Yeah. You don't think the uh, Mark Andrews injury? I don't know. Is like Mark Andrews is obviously the number one receiver on that team, or, or there's been stretches where he was the number one option. But I think that we're starting to see Odell break out. I think Zay Flowers has been quite good. I don't know. I, I, I just think that, that they're, they'll be all right. I think that they already don't have such a high premium on, on the pass. And maybe you say it hurts just not to have an have a extra blocker out there and a tight end, but I still don't mm -hmm. think that it's, it's that. It's not season ending, you know? All right, Mike, you want to give me your next game? That we're focusing it on this podcast. Yeah. My other game. Really looking forward to this one. This will probably be. Is this a one o'clock game? Tell me it's a one o'clock game. Oh, I, I need to go. It, it is one o'clock game. Like, how perfectly are we set up Sunday? You can watch this at one o'clock. You can watch Bills Eagles at four twenty-five, and then you got Ravens Chargers. It's like a perfect. Works out perfectly this week. So yeah. it is. If I didn't already say it, uh, Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Big battle for the number one spot in the AFC South. Who would have guessed that going into the season? I feel oh, like, man, you know what? Actually, this is going to be a hard choice. Do you watch the, the battle for the number one in the AFC South or the battle for the number one in the NFC South? They're on at the same time, Mike. I had that written down too. Yeah, Jags at Texans. This is going to be a lot of fun. I think the Jags are total frauds. I think like four weeks into the season when we were like all about Stroud crowd, I mean, it may have been like five weeks or something. I said... I think we did like an awards check-in and I was like, after they win the NFC South or AFC South, 
uh, D'Amico Ryan is winning coach of the year. This game is this line is minus one and a half. Jaguars flipping it. I'm gonna bet it. I'm gonna flip it. Minus one and a half Texans. I'm wow. flipping it. I'm flipping it. This is Houston, tenth in EPA per play, and it's all passing because they have a negative point one five in rush EPA. They're similar to the Chargers in that their running game is so disparately poor compared to their passing game. Stroud crowd. I know he had the three picks last week. I know Jalen Ramsey had two. He's gonna cook Ramsey. He's doing this one for me. He's gonna cook him. He's gonna he's gonna have like the on the field interview as the player of the game. As he'd be like, Mike Regan, that one was for you. Calling it right now. Yeah, this is another one that um forty seven and a half currently on, on FanDuel, the over under. Oh, so they're tied tied for highest over under. Well, if you're on FanDuel, they actually have Bills Eagles at forty eight and a half. For oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. Um Jags are frauds against good teams. I think they're going to come out and lay another egg. And I think the Texans, and we're at doing like specific predictions for this one. And I think the Texans are going to look dominant and become the favorite to win that division. Yeah. The, God, the Jags season has been so weird. This is like, I, I know I said this for the San Francisco game. This is going to be another one where we learn stuff about the yeah. Jags. Like if the Jags come out and absolutely crush the Texans, then that's at least back to back weeks that they've crushed people that they're supposedly better than. Mm-hmm. But if they lose or win very narrowly, like like some chicanery, like a fumbled punt that leads to a touchdown or something like that, so I'm start asking some questions about uh, Dougie P's job and if he should keep it. Yeah, he's like, uh, despite going to the playoffs last year, getting to the second round because Brandon Staley is so such a bad coach. Um, he's like a coach who could very quickly, all of a sudden, end up on the hot seat. Like the temperature just totally shifts really fast, because especially if they keep losing in against big games and then they make the playoffs but get just like dog walked in the first round, I could see Peter, I could see ownership in Jacksonville being like, "Thanks, but I, for us to get to the next level, you're just you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy." Uh, I was trying to find a way to point out that the Texans' EPA per play on rush was actually positive. Now, uh, can't find it. Turns out, no matter how you you change the parameters. It's not. It's still negative EPA per rush. It's just Devin Singletary's been really good the last few weeks. Also, how are you not going to call me out? You have to be way more specific. I always keep thinking Jalen Ramsey is still on the Jaguars. He's on the Dolphins. Oh, did you say that? I was fucking I around trying to, trying to get yeah. the CPA thing to work. I, yeah, cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> when, when I say that. Um, that's how much I dislike Jalen Ramsey. That any time a team comes up that he was on at some point, <laughs> I should talk him. I mean, Noah Brown, Tank Dell. I know there's like this idea of like, oh, Stroud, look what he's doing with poor wide receivers. Have we ever entertained the fact that maybe Noah Brown and Tank Dell are good wide receivers? Well, Tank Dell, maybe. I'm not going to start handing out good wide receiver stats to Noah Brown. No? Okay. We, we have enough Noah Brown tape. Tank Dell, it's his rookie year. Yeah. But true. Noah Brown, it's like, fuck, Noah Brown was on the Cowboys for like three years and did nothing. Yeah. And as poor as that um, running attack has been, Devin Singletary, a.k.a. Motor, had a hell of a game last week. Yeah, last two weeks. Since yeah, he's taken over uh, as the starting running back with uh, Damian Pierce's injury, it's been most goodly. And if they find something of a running game consistently, Texans seems dangerous. I would not want to face them in the first round of the playoffs. No, absolutely not. Like, if absolutely I not. am... Oh, who's the... If I'm the Bills right now, right? I think they're second place in the AFC North or AFC East. If I'm the Bills right now... Worst case scenario for me 
is that the Texans win the division and I end up getting them in the first round of the playoffs on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you much rather go to Jacksonville and get revenge? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I paused so much on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't stand Jacksonville. (laughs) They're just the most bitch-made team in the NFL. Made like bitches. Like, you've never beat anybody good. And they did beat the Bills. Okay. We had to go to London. (laughs) You're right, and they didn't. They were sitting there for a week, eating Nando's and checking out Big Ben. It wasn't a fair fight. It wasn't a fair fight. I've been on this thing privately with you in our text conversations where I've been, I've jumped completely off the Trevor Lawrence train after I watched him on the Manning cast when he just came off like he was kind of stupid. Uh, that That's the moment when I Trevor Lawrence lost me. I'm, I will no longer be a Trevor Lawrence defender. With that being said, there's no fucking way Trevor Lawrence has any idea what Big Ben is. If you walked up to Trevor Lawrence and said, what do you think of Big Ben? He would go, I don't know. I guess he was good when he was in the league. I was about to say he was going to be like, Roethlisberger's here? <laughs> that's pretty cool that's pretty cool i love this chunky noodle soup commercials man see i think uh i think hasselback for those commercials i think McNabb is the first one that actually comes to mind they should bring him back who who would be the best campbell's chunky noodle soup guy now Ooh, that's a good one jason kelsey good jason kelsey would be a really good one the shoveling soup it's all like up in his beard and shit what if he had to go quarterback? Because we just named three quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's usually a quarterback that gets the, the chunky endorsement. I think Josh would be a solid. He solid would, one. right? Yeah. You get a really beefy farm bred white boy yeah. just eating some Campbell's chunky noodle soup. He's going, fucking love it as it spills down his face. Yeah. No. I'd watch that commercial. How dare you say spills down his face? Josh, he's a very clean eater, I'd imagine. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. I'd also, I also think Will Levis would be solid. Uh, just while we're talking about oh, farm yeah. bread white boys. Um, yeah. You got any more thoughts on Jags Texans since we're, we've now talking about Campbell's Chunky Noodle Soup for five minutes? Uh, no, I, I think it's, it's going to be a big statement win for Houston. They run that division now. All right, Mike, my last game of the week this week. Rams, Cardinals. You know what? Big week for one and a half to two and a half spreads. I know. I was just noticing that. Yeah. Rams at Cardinals, minus one and a half. No, this doesn't jump off the page. Tia, especially with some of the competition it's going against in that slate, or I should say it's probably the second best game in that slate, but you know what I mean. What interests me the most about this, Mike, is just the Kyler Murray second half ruining Arizona's draft pick. (laughs) I mean, first off, we get old man Matt Stafford, who is like, we're like an injury away from getting who the hell knows playing. I think, I think Carson Wentz is his backup right now. Yeah, I don't think anybody's letting, I think Carson Wentz keeps calling teams and they're like, no. Go away. <laughs> no, he's he's on the Rams right now. Is he? He got picked up? By, he got picked up that. by the Rams. Yeah. It's a good moment for for the hero of the NFL, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Remember when he almost won an MVP? Like, he came so close. He got injured in, like, week 14. He was going to win the MVP. Dude, Nick Foles. St. Nick Foles. St. <laughs> Nick Foles. Over under this game, 44 and a half. Kyler Murray has been quite good since coming back, especially mm-hmm. when he has no wide receivers to throw to. And James Conner hasn't been playing particularly well. Just, it's fascinating to watch. Like, how did they not go to Kyler and go, hey, listen, we're going to move you to a team that's a quarterback away and you can contend for Super Bowls. Just hang out, play Modern Warfare 3. Instead, they fucking brought him back and he's going to win him out of the top five. Like, he saved his job. He single-handedly is going to save his job because they won't be able to draft Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, Michael Pruitt, Detson Bennett. And Sam Michael Penix. Did you say Michael Penix Jr.? 
I didn't. There you go. I knew I was missing. I knew I was missing yeah. one. That's why I went with uh, Stetson Bennett Jr. <laughs> or the fourth, not Junior. Are you thinking back? Who's the QB at Georgia now? Is, is it not Stetson Bennett the sixth? Is it not like Androids where when when they like reset it, they just add a number to it? I I do like the idea that like there's just a long line of Stetson Stetson Bennett's. It's a family name. <laughs> It's this this Rams team is kind of rocked by injuries right now. Cups questionable, Nakua's questionable, Stafford's questionable. But if we get those guys on the field, I think this could be a very fun, high octane offensive game. Forty four and a half over under. I think that if we see a full strength Cardinals against four, full strength Rams, that'll easily go over. And you almost have to if you if you gamble on Rams games, you almost have to watch them. Because McVay will make a decision that seems entirely influenced by gambling, like once every three weeks. He'll go for it on a meaningless fourth down to put him in field goal range to kick a field goal that gets him within six when the spread was seven and a half. He'll score a touchdown in garbage time as the clock expires on a play that's legitimately dangerous to his players. And he'll hit the over. Just McVay. McVay's out here just shooting from the hip for the, for the gambler in us all. Are we supposed to respect him for that or vilify him? That's that's the question, Mike, that we'll never know. He's prettier than both of us, so I think we should vilify him. Okay. Fuck McVay. Fuck him. Piece of shit. I like this Rams team just because they're the ultimate. I mean, it doesn't really come into play this game because it's the Cardinals. But they're like the ultimate, like, when the season ends, there's going to be teams who are like, fuck, I wish we didn't drop that game. Like I said last week, I'll bet Gino got hurt. So it was the, you know, there's asterisks. But I was like, I like this Rams game is like one of the ones that the Seahawks, like a trap game for the Seahawks. Like people think like, oh, Seahawks playoff team better than Rams. But the Rams defense is just so good that you can't really like scratch them off in any games. Like you talk about like Puka and players who are questionable. Aaron Donald's not. <laughs> so they're in every game. Can I, uh, can I tell you my cross sport comparison for the Rams right now? Okay. It's last year's Oklahoma City. They're not as young, I don't think. Every player on that team, man, is like a rookie or like an undrafted no. free agent. They have it's them and the the Packers. Like all of their the the only reason that you don't think of the Rams as young is because of Aaron Donald, Stafford, and Cooper Cup. But the rest of that team, they're tiny little babies, man. Their whole defense is so young. Yeah. That's that's funny you said that because really the next player I was gonna put a little spotlight on was uh Former Georgia Bulldog six-round pick Darian Kendrick, been playing really well this season. It's a cornerback. Cornerback, yeah, yeah. They kind of stole in the sixth round. Uh, so he's and this is only his his second year in the league. So yeah, he's an example of one of those young guys who's playing really well for them. Yeah, I think that if if the Rams somehow end up with like a decent quarterback prospect and milk one more year out of Stafford, we could be looking at like a two-year turnaround where suddenly the Rams are the young fun team. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah. I like that. They have like a bunch of defensive players coming into their prime. Their cap sheet is nearly empty as Cup, Stafford, and Donald ride off into the sunset. This could be a really fun team in a few years, especially if McVay sticks around. Or mm-hmm. if McVay leaves. You know what? If McVay leaves, I want to make an offer to the Rams personally. Okay. You can have Ron Rivera. I'll even throw in Jack Del Rio. You can have both of them. Free. No charge. Hold a uh, rowboat Ron to the, the Ram. I know that Commanders fans have complained for years that the NFC West stole all of our great coordinators and made them head coaches, and we were stuck with Ron. 
but I'm willing to let them take Riverboat Ron and Jack Del Rio. Call it a peace offering between our conference or between our divisions. Yeah, man, you uh, you hit a really good point there. As I'm like looking more into it, like another six round pick from 2022, like Quentin Lake, like his snap count like jumped up the last like three games. Really, he started the last two. He's played well when you look at yeah. it. Is their it defense. Safety? Their defense is fully like OKC. I mean, their offense is obviously a little bit older because their offensive line isn't spring chickens. But mm-hmm. for if you talk like 53-man roster, they have a good portion of their 53-man roster that's on rookie deals right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like deep diving out <laughs> this Rams defense. So sorry, I've got to zone it out. But All good. Mike, did you have any, any final notes that you wanted to hit on the AFC North showdown between... Uh, Jake Browning and Kenny Pickett? No, not really. I just think it'll be a, f- a funny game. It will be a funny game. Who's favored in that game? Do you know off the top of your head? Here, I can pull it up. Uh, let's see. PFF or FanDuel Minus has... one and a half Steelers. Yeah, you can get, you can get Bengals plus money. A little frisky. <laughs> Jake Browning, Mike. Jake <laughs> Browning. Uh, yeah. All right, you know what? After saying his name twice in a row, you have persuaded me <laughs> to not make that bet. It is a very good point. Hey, Bengals, start tanking. Start get tanking. Finally, finally get a good quarterback. That's what I say. Uh, dude, Brock Bowers, get a good tight end. You want them to tank to get a tight end? Dude, that team healthy, if they can re-sign, even though it sounds like it might happen, if they sign a re-sign T. Higgins, you can go, you have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and then you bring in Brock Bowers. You actually, and like enough of this, like Drew Sample, Irv Smith bullshit, <laughs> like bringing like an actual premier tight end. That, that would make that team offensively just so you like, I mean, a juggernaut, dude. All right, Mike, any, uh, any final notes? Week 11, any other things you want to hit on here? You got any deep Carolina at Tennessee thoughts? Are you worried that Will Levis is also going to pra- pass Bryce Young to be the second best quarterback from this draft class? No, but I did notice that game and was kind of like, yeah, Bryce Young versus Will Levis. That'll be fun. The guy who everybody going into the college season was like, that's the first QB off the board. And the guy who actually ended up the first QB off the board. So and both of them be... aren't the f- best QB from the class. So that's fun. Nope. Stroud crowd, baby. Stand up. So that should be kind of fun. You know, I think everybody's going to be watching Pat's Giants, really. <laughs> I think everybody's going to be watching that game. Talk about an impactful game, man. Winning that game hurts both of those franchises so much. Yeah, you think they're going to, like, disagree beforehand? Like, let's just tie. Let's just tie. <laughs> what, what score would surprise you at the end of that game more? 0-0 zero, zero or 30-29? to 29? Well, I mean, we just saw Tommy D cook it up last week. How dare you? How dare you throw that in my face like this? So, who knows? Is that game even on the board? Is there something I'm missing here? Oh, there it is. Uh, 34. How is this over-under not lower than Brown's... Steelers was last week. This over-under should be like 30. And still bet the under. These teams are terrible. They're so bad. That is an under bet all the way. I definitely agree with that. I mean, Do you think there will be more touchdowns or turnovers? uh, Definitely turnovers. Definitely turnovers. And I'm I'm a degenerate because I'm like, Giants plus 148. (laughs) Dabble versus Belichick. I don't know. All right. At the point where we're talking about Patriots at Giants, a game that no one should watch, not even Patriots or Giants fans. Seriously, 
If you're listening to this and you're a Patriots or Giants fan, it's in this one o'clock slate that has a, like Jacksonville Houston in it. Just go fucking watch that game and check the box score on ESPN later. You don't need to watch Patriots Giants. There's nothing to be gained. Damn. I was really hoping the, the weather forecast looks like sunny, no bad wind. I was hoping for just like shit weather, cold, rainy, windy. <laughs> so then that's like a three nothing game all day. Too bad. <laughs> all right, Mike, yeah, you got any plugs before we get out of here? Yeah, so we got on Saturday, coming out late this week, but might not might not might, might be a last second post just because Thanksgiving and stuff today. But I'm gonna try to get it done um so we can get it up today, if not hundred percent for uh for sure tomorrow. We have uh also with the gap coming up because end of the regular season this week and then they do give the teams a week off before conference championship week. Um Next week's on Saturday will be a lot kind of previewing or anyway, I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is coming up also is going to be an on Saturday extra where I look at the expanded playoff that's going to happen and why it's probably one of the most unnecessary things in the world. <laughs> Cause at the end of the day, there's really only four teams every year that are actually like national championship level. So this is probably an unnecessary thing. Um, also, this week we have WWE Survivor Series predictions, which should be a lot of fun. Adam, if you're not a reader of that, you don't follow. There's a year-long competition we're doing where Adam is now kicking my ass, unfortunately. So, other than that, follow me at Talent Alone Mike, and have have just if you celebrate, if you record, if you uh, what's the word? If you recognize, what do people say? Like if you take part in a holiday. You got it. Just keep going. <laughs> I don't know. If you are someone who practices Thanksgiving, have just a fucking amazing turkey day, people. Yeah, you can follow me at Town Alone Adam. Uh, we got Team Town Alone coming out tomorrow. I updated the League Pass watchability rankings with pace and one score games. However, I was not able to write the blurbs that I normally do just due to, you know, busy week. I, I'm. Like I mentioned earlier, moving, have no heat in my apartment, feet are freezing to death, haven't unpacked anything, got to finish that up today. But beyond that, come back on Saturday this week, catch our episode of Baski. We are doing an NBA, we're going over the Western Conference, real or not real, like we did last week with the Eastern Conference, and then in the NHL, we're going to talk about the Thanksgiving Day rule, where teams that are typically in the playoffs by Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving that is, make it by the end of the season. And that is all due to the loser point, which is dumb. Beyond that, be sure to stick by for any content, townalone.com. Keep up to date on our Twitter feed. You, everything we post goes through my Twitter feed. And uh, I guess there's only thing, one thing left to do, right? Shout-outs to the, the Mammoth Legend, Big Turkey Fox.